0: Oh uh-huh. You here today, oh Lord. Thank you for your blessings on us, oh God. We lift you and magnify you, Lord Jesus. Let's just lift him together, church. He is worthy today. We bless you, Lord. We magnify you, oh Lord. Hallelujah! 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 I come before you today, and there's just one thing that I want say praise. Give him thanks. Give him honor. Give him glory. Lord, we lift you in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you, O Lord Jesus. We bless your name, O Lord Jesus. We lift you. We magnify you. Have you come to bless him today? To glorify him? To focus on him? To honor his presence? Lord, we lift you. We magnify you, O God. You are here, moving in our midst, I worship you, I worship you, you are here. the Lord Church. Just worship him. Just honor his presence. We magnify you, oh God. We glorify you in this place, oh Lord. We lift you up, for there is none life. Lord, I pray, God, you have your way in this place. Move like you want to move, Holy Spirit. We welcome you to have your way, oh Lord. Hallelujah. We lift you. We glorify you, oh Lord. We magnify your holy name, oh we worship and adore you, all. Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah,
1: hallelujah.
0: Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop.
2: Continue to worship as you're seated. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in church today? Aren't you glad you know who Jesus is? It's one thing to know about him. It's another thing to actually know who he is. How many of you know who he is today? You've experienced him in a way that he's living deep inside of you and you have no doubt that he's there. Amen. So good to see everyone in the house of the Lord with us today. I do want to make a few quick announcements, if I may, before I start my sermon today. We will not be having Wednesday classes. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone as you prepare to be with family and friends. I want you to enjoy that this week. So no Wednesday night classes this week. Attention to all the ladies. Sunday, December the 10th, the ladies are going to Praise Cathedral. This is for a musical they'll be having, a Christmas musical. It starts at 3 p.m. entitled, God With Us. Now to all the ladies that are planning on going, I need you, when you go to the back, back there on the right-hand side in the foyer, there is actually a sign-up sheet. What that sign-up sheet is for is if you want to stay afterwards to eat lunch, it is going to cost $20 per person, but I promise you it's going to be really, really good. It's going to be catered in, so we have to have a definite number, and we're going to need that done ASAP. I think, um, I can't remember what, next Sunday, so it's pretty important that you sign up today, $20 per eat, and like I say, it's all going to be catered in in the front of the gym over there, and then afterwards you'll be going... Uh, to the Praise Cathedral at 3 p.m. to enjoy that together. So be sure to sign up today if you would. There's also a diaper shower box for Jen and Brandon Anderson, a little boy in the infant nursery down here. They're having a little boy, and we're excited about that for them. And uh, so when you walk out on the right-hand side, there's a mother's nursery to the right. Many of you already know this, but in there, there is a, a box, and that is for the diapers. You just drop them off right there, and we'll take care of the rest. It is also time for Adopted Christmas, all right, at our church. We do this every single year thanks to Susan Orr who's the guidance counselor at Six Mile Elementary. She's able to help us and connect us with families in need. And so we're going to be taking up special offerings for the next several weeks. Uh, to be able to provide for the, for the families that are in need. We have some from last year, and we're going to be utilizing that as well. We've already ordered a lot of the stuff. And so to participate, just place your donations in a tithe envelope. You can mark it Adopted Christmas, and you can place in the offering, you know, in the foyer, in the little boxes we have out there. You can just drop it in and we'll make sure that it goes for the Christmas for those kids this year. We're adopting two families, four different kids, and we're excited about that. You can also donate on PushPay. If you go to Gap Hill Church of God, G-H-C-O-G, in the App Store, there's a link right there to give. It sends you to PushPay, and we actually have a line now that says Adopted Christmas, so you'll know you're giving for that purpose. So thank you for your help in this matter. Can you say amen to what God has already done in this house today? Thank you to our praise team today for leading us into the presence of God the way that they did. Uh, I want to speak today on a sermon entitled, We Activate the Spirit World When We Worship. We Activate the Spirit World When We Worship. Now, I looked up the term activate because sometimes I need help with definitions and I'm a junkie for definitions. I want to know what, what it means. And so I'm often, if you looked at my search history, it would often be Miriam Dictionary is where I look often online. I want to know what the word means. A lot of times I'm having to look up how to pronounce it because I was raised in the country. And even though I graduated valedictorian to my little Christian school, I still have to hear how it's said. But that word activate means to switch on. The best way that I could describe it to you is you'll see light switches on the wall. Everybody knows what that is, right? You walk into your house and you flip that light switch up. What do you do? You activate the light. That means you turn it on. This is what worship is. Anytime that we begin to do it, in the spirit world, it activates. Praise and worship flips on a switch spiritually. And the spirit world opens up. And all of a sudden, in this carnal world, we have been given access to a heavenly world. I want you to think about that. Frail human beings, the moment we begin to lift our frail hands and our, our health is failing and we're aging, Right? But the moment that we lift up hands to God, all of a sudden something is flipped on in heaven that says somebody just activated something on the earth and I'm about to release something onto them from the heavenlies. Worship is powerful, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to show you just how powerful it is. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I want to read verse 20 and 21. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Verse 23. And when he had consulted with the people... He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of His holiness as they went out before the army. Somebody say before. What does that mean? That means they were ahead of them. They went before the army and they were saying, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Worship is so powerful if we could just grasp the concept today of how powerful it is when we will take a moment to lift holy hands, when we will take a moment to humble our hearts before this great awesome God, and we begin to recognize who He is and what He's done in our lives as they express to us, We praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Let me tell you something, folks. If you have nothing else to give God glory and honor for today, you ought to give him glory and honor for the mercy that he has shown on your life. Because in this house today there's a lot of people, I'm included, that I have failed God more times than I care to count today. I have let God down and people down more times than I care to admit today. But I thank God that every time that I lift up my hands to Him and lift my heart to Him, the grace and the mercy of God absolutely infiltrates my life in a way that I can't even express today. Whenever we look at the Bible, you'll find that there is this one king in the Old Testament. He wins a battle not with sword and spear. He wins a battle because he had an orchestra. In other words, in modern times, he had a band. His name is Jehoshaphat. It is in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 20. That Jehoshaphat, is, he's threatened to, to be defeated by an army that is much greater than his own army. His commanders, his generals, his advisors get together with him. And they basically tell him, Jehoshaphat, you know we love you and we've served you for years and years. And, and man, it's been good and we've won a lot of battles together. But I'm going to tell you something, this time we cannot win this battle. We've won a lot of them. We've had good times. But I'm telling you, if we go out to fight these armies, we are going to go out fighting and we're going to go out and we are going to lose. I need to tell somebody today, you need to be careful who you listen to. You need to be careful who you allow to speak into your life. Because if you're not careful, the devil will send somebody into your life that's going to tell you your situation is hopeless. The devil's going to send somebody to tell you there is no way that you are going to win. But I need a Jehoshaphat in the house that will say, wait a minute, you haven't you have counted one thing that we've got that those other armies do not have. And that is that we still worship the God, the creator of the universe. And I know that if he goes with us, The odds are for us. They are not against us. You have to be careful who you allow to speak into your life. Doctors will speak defeat over you. Come on, somebody. They'll give you their job. It's what they do. They're going to give you the report and the truth the way that they see it. That's what they're supposed to do but they're going to speak over your life and sometimes the words that they're speaking into you. Tears are going to roll down your eyes and you're not going to understand why. And you're going to be sitting there thinking, my God, even my doctor said this thing isn't going to work out. But you need to understand today, like Jehoshaphat, what the doctor hasn't figured in is that you've got a God on your side that loves you more than anybody in the whole wide world and he has not left you yet. They are threatened. There's no hope but after prayer, after fasting, and I'll talk more of that, the man of God hears a word of victory from the Lord. He is so sure of it that he decides, I'm going to send my praise team out front. I am going to send the worship team and they are going to lead us into the army. They're going to be the leaders of the army and they are going to lead us into this battle. How crazy can you get? But Jehoshaphat passes what I'll call the most critical test of his tenure as king. He learned that if God is for you, who can possibly stand against you? He also learned that there may be times that people will stand against you and armies will come against you. But if God is for you, They cannot defeat you. They can come against you, but they cannot defeat you. He learns this. If God says he will deliver the enemy into your hand, then you can put the singers and the musicians on the front line and not one of their hairs on their head will be harmed as long as God is in the picture. What an amazing expression of faith. Jehoshaphat. Ignored every war strategy that has ever been conceived in the hearts of a general. I mean, listen, folks, I'm just going to tell you, I love Brian and I love these people. But if we get ready to fight, I'm just going to tell you, logic says, man, we better get our Second Amendment, we better bear some arms before this battle. And he agrees, they agree. We'll back y'all up in the back, the real rear end. Y'all go with guns, we'll sing from back there, Jesus is great. How great is our God as y'all shoot? Every strategy in war conceived is not done this way. You do not lead a battle with worshipers. But Jehoshaphat knows that there is no man-made weapon that can compete against honest and sincere worship. There is a place called Jericho. You know the story. They go to it. God says, you just march around it, march around it. And they say, well, aren't we going to take weapons, Joshua? To which he responds, no, you're not going to take a weapon because you don't need a weapon. All you need is to activate the spirit world. Because the spirit world can do more than you ever can do. And so, about that time, they're walking around. There's seven. Uh, priests that have the shofar or the ram's horn, as we call it, we'll call it modern times, they're blowing a trumpet. And he says they're going to blow those trumpets. And when I give the motion, we're going to have one of the biggest praise revivals we've ever had. We are going to worship the God of heaven with the loudest rumble that we've ever roared. And when I lift my hand, you begin to shout to the God of heaven that victory is ours. And when they begin to worship Him, all of a sudden the greatest walls of their day begin to tumble down because when you activate the spirit world, everything changes. I got to hurry today. I got too much to cover. You you can find talent anywhere. Did y'all know that? You look at people that sing music that obviously is not uplifting Jesus. And we look at them oftentimes and we think, man, we wish they'd sing in church, man. We wish they'd use their talent for God. We wish. You know, it's amazing. You look at some of the greatest singers, even in the secular world. Do you know where they started at? In the choir with Grandma. Oh, God, help Jimmy preach today. They didn't learn it from one of these professional people that teach how to, too much vibrato, slow it down. No, no, no. They learned because at one point or another, they tapped into the anointing. I, I, want, I want somebody to understand today, you can find talent anywhere, but what we need as a church is not just talent. We need some anointed musicians. We need some anointed singers. I, I, oh God almighty. I wanna tell you folks something, this is no lie. I love playing music. I do. Y'all know it. I, I love playing piano. I love playing... I love having an instrument in my hand. It is absolutely... There, there. It is no burden to me to play music. I love it that much, right? I love it. And I've played it ever since. I was just a little fella. Yes, even in church. And there's been times I've been playing, and I knew I was playing in the flesh. But I'm telling you, there are times that I've been playing, and I felt... Mm, Something got a hold to my fingers, and I started playing. And it was no longer—it wasn't what the words on the page told me to do. But there was something happening inside of me. What had happened? I—I I was worshiping. And when you worship, the spirit world activates. And so as I was worshiping, all of a sudden, the anointing came on me, Coy, and things began to change because now I'm not just a talented musician now. I am an anointed. We don't need talent in the church. What we need in the church is a raw anointing full of the power of God. You cannot, listen to me, I want to emphasize this to our worship teams and all of us that that are in bands and playing. and If you do not have private worship, you cannot have a public anointing. That's a good, was that not a good point? That was a good one. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you don't have private worship, alone time, you and Jesus... If you can't sing in your car and have a moment with God in a private setting, then you cannot walk in a public anointing. See, people think, oh, they just get out there and they can just sing because they're good at it and they'll just do a good job or a preacher just gets out there, grabs a the Bible and just preaches it and he'll do a decent job. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. It takes a lot more than just grabbing a Bible. you got to study. you got to prepare yourself. you you got to play it through several times Sunday morning. Before you get on the stage, there's a a preparation that takes place. And then all we tell them to do is you've got to just tap into that anointing. And when we tap into the anointing, the spirit world begins to activate on the congregation. And now we're not just anointed, but you. Feel that anointing. There's a difference when the anointing comes in a place. So the Bible says they. When they grabbed their harps and they played. This is 2 Kings 3.15. The prophet's Elisha in this text. The Bible said, he said, find somebody that can play a minstrel. It's much like David and King Saul. When King Saul had an evil spirit rising up in him. You remember the story. He said, find me a man that can play a harp. I love some harp music. If you give me a harp, I think I'll feel better. And they found who would later be King David. A a boy at the time after God's own heart. Later becomes a man after God's own heart. He grabs his harp. He goes down there to play for Saul. He begins to run his fingers across those strings. And all of a sudden the evil spirit, the spirit world's activated. An anointing flows into the king's throne room. And an evil spirit has to subside. He closes his eyes and he's at peace and he's at rest as David plays the harp. Understand with me, the anointing is not in the harp. The anointing is in the fingers that are actually playing the harp. When I look at 1 Kings, there's another story where the man of God says get somebody that can play a harp. And it activated the spirit in the prophet Elijah. The answers came when worship was activated. Listen, that is your job, those of you who are called worshipers, which should be every one of us, by the way. Y'all thought I'm just picking on a worship team this morning. No, we are all called the worship. For now is the time that God is seeking such to worship Him, those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. When we worship, we activate this spirit world. And when we activate the spirit world, we receive a fresh word from the Lord for our dilemma, whatever we're going through. The Bible said that in 1 Kings 3, when they began to play the harp or the minstrel, the Bible said that the spirit of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, Thus saith the Lord. Woo! Do you understand that worship is unlocking something that can change your situation? My God, I wish somebody would just say amen right there. But if you do not send anything up, you probably aren't going to get anything back down. The Bible said they prayed, and after they had prayed, the place was shaken. Hezekiah worshiped God and prayed and offered thousands of sacrifices a day that the temple was was dedicated to God. And the Bible said after all of that, the fire fell. We've got to be willing to send the praises up so that the blessing can fall down. Send the praises up, so the worship up, so that the miracle can flow down to us. We have all been called to worship. We find our texts. There's a guy in the, there in the wilderness of Tokoa. You learn sometimes you have to praise your way out of the wilderness. There are some wilderness you can't get out by yourself. There are some wildernesses a therapist cannot get you through. There are some wildernesses your doctor's not going to get you through. There are some wildernesses the only way that you're going to get out is to throw up holy hands to God and start praising your way out. Now, I know that sounds like simple preaching, but my God, I believe it still works. When you are in a dry spell, When you are in a spiritual wilderness, when everything around you has dried up, it seems lifeless. Everything seems dead. The greatest thing you can do is throw up your hands and begin to bless the Lord. The greatest thing you can ever do is do this. Throw up your hands and say, devil, you may take everything that I have, but you will not take my praise. There's some things I can control. There's other things I cannot control. I preached to you about Job last week, right? And we talked about how he said the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. We read, my Redeemer lives. He's going to pull me through this. If I can handle the pull, then he'll pull me through We've got Job that the Bible says he's lost everything. He gets sackcloth and ashes, falls on the ground, and worshiped the Lord. Because Job came to the places we learned last week that he says to the devil, You can take my stuff, but you cannot take my worship. You can't take my praise. There are some things I can control, other things I cannot. I cannot control today. If my health fails me, and I can no longer preach, and what I do as a living is gone from me tomorrow, there's no guarantee. I speak blessings over my life, but guess what? Life happens. What if something happens? I can't control that. I can't stop that. You can't stop it. If you just can't, you just can't make that payment in that car and you prayed and for some reason or another the bank had to come back and get it. You can't help that. It's out of your control. You're working hard. You did everything within your power to do what you could. You see, there's some things the devil can take from us. But there is one thing I can control. And that is this right here. There is one thing I can't control. That though God gives, though God takes away, I'm still going to activate worship. There is something the devil cannot. He can't stop me from giving God glory. He cannot do it, folks. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Never give up. It was the words of Sir Winston Churchill said to a battered nation, he said, never give up. Repeated it about three times. Never give up. And takes his seat as an old frail man telling a battered nation, you don't have to quit. You need to keep on going on. And I feel like it's the same message I need to give somebody today. Never give up. Losers give up. Winners don't quit. I love basketball. Y'all boys can have softball, all these other sports you want. If I'm going to play, put me on a basketball court. Absolutely love it. It is December the night. The year is 2004. There's a shooting guard for the Houston Rockets. His name is Tracy McGrady. Some of you are like, who in the world is that? Y'all young kids ought to look him up. He bad to the bones, all oh, I'm telling y'all. All right. He's been overshadowed by Michael Jordan. This guy's bad. That night, fans experienced a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see one of the greatest feats of victory that they had ever seen before. The greatest victory to that point, and it's never happened since that they are down 76-68 to against the San Antonio Spurs. There are 42 seconds that are left on the clock in the game. Some have left. Some have decided this game is over. There is no way that they are going to win. Some on the team have even given up. They look defeated. But Tracy McGrady said, I am going to take matters into my own hands. You feed me the ball. We can still win this game. Three after three, he began to shoot them up. Jaws are dropping. How is he doing this? He's swishing left and right. There's only 33 seconds on the clock. In 33 seconds, for you to know basketball, that's not a lot of time because the other team gets the ball too. This isn't make it, take it. You don't just make it. And say, All right, you get the ball back again. All right, let's make it this All right, let's make it this. No, you've got to give it to the other team. They're protecting the ball. You've got to steal the ball. You got to. Uh, you got to foul them. You got to force them to shoot the free throw. Hope they miss on a prayer. That's what's going on back and forth. Thirty-three seconds. Tracy McGrady, three after three. He scored thirteen points. They won that game that everybody had given up on, eighty-one to eighty. One man did the math and said, Tracy McGrady absolutely went off on them. And had he scored at that same pace the entire game that he did in that last 33 seconds, he would have had 1,069 points in one basketball game in 60 minutes. what I'm telling you is it sounds impossible. And I need to tell somebody today that the score may be against you, and the devil may think he's already beat you, and you may be holding your head in shame thinking, man, this thing is over, I don't see a miracle. I don't see God moving in my behalf. But you have got to lift your hands anyhow, not give up. Praise your way out of that desert. Praise your way out of that depression. Praise your way out of that battle. your way out of that season that's dry. you got to activate the spirit world if you expect something to change. And you have the key, and that key is your worship. I'm going to leave you with this. I i got a few more minutes. One of the most powerful stories in the Old Testament happens in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In chapter 19, they suffered a defeat. You can read your Bible. I don't have time to. Jehoshaphat barely escapes for his life. He's made some bad choices in his life towards the end. He finds himself on a battlefield with King Ahab where he had aligned with an evil king. In chapter 19, the King Ahab has died. Jehoshaphat runs. God allows him to be spared because, again, of his grace and his mercy. In chapter 20, he is confronted with not one army but two invading armies that have joined together. They are the Moabites and they are the Ammonites. The scouts have been sent out to observe the invading forces that are coming. And they bring back the word to Jehoshaphat, the army that is coming is huge. The army that is coming is much bigger than our army. We cannot muster up enough troops. They've got more firepower. They've got more people. They've got more ammunition, man of God. There's nothing, King, that we can do. But what Jehoshaphat did caught the attention of God in a big way. The Bible said this is what he did. He did not summon the forces or send men to the walls to ready themselves for battle. With spear and with sword and with arrow. He did what every great leader should do when you're going through crisis. He went and he paused. He stopped. He didn't make a poor decision. He got away from the crowds. He retreated from them. And he inquired of the Lord. In other words, he got in his closet and he started praying God, what in the world are we going to do? The second thing Jehoshaphat did was even better than the first, he proclaimed a fast. When you add fasting to your prayers, you have entered a new dimension in the spirit world. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And God loves it and God responds to it. The man that was had a son demon possessed, he brings it to his disciples. The disciples can't cast him out. To which the man comes to Jesus and I brought him to your disciples. They could not cast him out. What's up? Jesus rebukes him. You faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And then he looks at them and he says, a key to everybody that's a worshiper. He says, this kind comes out not but by prayer and by fasting. It is a new level of anointing. It is a new dimension in the spirit that you have never seen before, that you have never experienced before. My God, have mercy. The next thing Jehoshaphat did was he talked to God out loud in prayer. The entire congregation is gathered. He prays, verse 6 through 12, one of the most powerful prayers on behalf of a nation. Let me show it to you really quick. Let me read it. Give me a few more minutes. Verse 6. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers... Are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kings of the nations? Is your hand, and in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Do you see the way he's asking questions? He's not making a demand of God, he's just asking God a question. Pretty smart. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? You gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever question mark and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying if disaster come upon us so are judgment pestilence famine we'll stand before this temple in your presence for your name is in this temple we'll cry out to you in our affliction you will hear and save us and now here are the people and he names them he names them go to verse 11 Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession which you have given us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, will not you judge them for we have no power. This is important. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we even know what to do. Sometimes it's hard to just say, I don't know. I've been pastoring since I was 21. I tell people all the time, if you've got a question for me, you bring it on. If I don't have the answer, I'll make up one. I've learned how to do this thing. But the older and wiser I get, sometimes I just like looking at people and saying, you know what, i got to get back with you. I really don't know the answer to that one. It's hard to say, though. Jehoshaphat finally admits it and says, you know what, God? I've done this before. I've been in battles before. But I'm telling you, I don't know what to do this time. But our eyes are upon you. I don't know what to do. But one thing I can do is I can look to you and say, God, you're the only help I have. You're the only answer to this problem that I have. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? When he acknowledges they do not have the power of the mark to fart this army, he gently reminds God of the times he has fought for his people in the past. Sometimes just recalling God's faithfulness in times gone by will give us the faith to make it through our current struggle. It is evidence. See, that's what science does. They'll say, we have scientific Evidence. That means without fail. We have tested it. It is tried. It is true. We have proved it is no longer a theory. It is no longer a presupposition of what can be. We can tell you with evidence this is the way it is. Corey, that is exactly what he's doing with God. He's saying, hey, I've got evidence because I know our history. I'm the king of this place. I've read, the, I've read what the scribes have written. I've pulled out those rolls and those scrolls and I've looked and I've read them. Are you not the God that defeated this army? Are you not the God that defeated that army? what he's telling God is I have evidence without fail that you are a God that is able to do it so now I'm looking to you and if you did it for my kings before me then I believe you can do it for me too my eyes are on you then out of nowhere a prophet stands to speak telling Jehoshaphat the battle is his what a moment folks private prayer And I'm closing with this, fasting, public prayer, and guess what happened next? A move of God. It has been the same formula for centuries, and it still works. How many of you were in our church when we did 100 days of glory? There's a couple of you. How many of you experienced miracles? I did. Do you know why? We did this simple recipe And it works. Jehoshaphat does the recipe. Here's the best part. The very next act of the king with two invading armies going, he bows to the earth in prayer and thanksgiving. Not what you would expect with war knocking on your door. But rather than fear, they worship God. Rather than making their man-made plans that his generals had told him he could try, they begin to pray. Without God, your plan is in vain. But with God, you cannot lose. As the last act of leadership for the battle plan, Jehoshaphat did something, I believe, made God smile. Rather than placing his most powerful warriors on the front line, he put his singers and his worshipers on the front line. And they marched straight into the conflict, completely unafraid with faith, believing God would deliver them. How powerful is that? Satan is the author of confusion. But see what Jehoshaphat did confused even the author of confusion. Because he's sitting there and he's saying, how in the world? We preached about Job last week. Can you imagine how that confused the enemy? When he takes his kids and he thinks all he's going to do is mourn for six weeks and cry and say, oh my God, where's my babies at? But the Bible said he worshiped God. That confuses me. I know it confused the enemy. The enemy gets confused whenever he looks at us and all of hell is coming against us, but our hands are still up in the air. When the doctor's giving us a bad report, but we still have our hands in the air. When we've tried every man-made method we know and nothing is working for us, but we throw our hands up in the air, it absolutely confuses the enemy. How can they praise in the middle of that? How can they worship with all of that going on? It's because we understand that something is being activated. Play, Sandra, I'm closing. Whatever you're going through today, whatever desert you may find yourself in today, don't give up. Again, praise your way through the desert. Praise your way through depression. Praise your way through all of this, through this battle, through this season of dryness. The rain is coming. The rain doesn't just pour on anyone. The rain comes to those who actually worship I'm going to leave you with this. Go to 2 Chronicles. Verse 14 is where we're going. I'm going to leave you with this, and I'm going to close. I've preached long enough, and I'm tired. Everything that I've preached thus far has went on. They've got their marching band in place. Nobody's got any weapons in their hand. All they've got is a praise team and they're looking to God for help for they can't do it themselves then the it's like a switch when they begin the worship they flipped it on something activated in the kingdom of Jehoshaphat like never before bam just like that immediately Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, in the middle of the assembly, verse 15. And he said, listen, when the Spirit comes on you, you got authority. That's why Jesus, when he came on here, Angie, this is what they said. Of the scribes and the Pharisees, they talk to us and they tell us the scriptures, right? They're real lethargical in their way. It's really formal and it's, you know, just right. They breathe in between every sentence. They wear the right clothes. They dress to a T. They look like holiness on the outside. But there's something about this prophet from Galilee because when he speaks to us he doesn't just talk like those Pharisees over yonder he speaks like one with authority the only thing that can do that is the spirit Whew. listen all you of judah you inhabitants of jerusalem and you king jehoshaphat i love it i love it i love it and the thing that I love is I don't really like English, but I love exclamation points. You listen, King Joseph. That's the way I feel like he said it. He said, thus says the Lord to you. Sometimes, Sandra, all oh, I need, I need a word from the Lord. That's what I need. I don't need your fancy words. I need to know what God's saying. He said, thus says the Lord to you. You do not have to be afraid anymore. You do not have to be dismayed because of this great multitude coming towards you. For the battle Jehoshaphat is not yours. The battle you're about to fight belongs to me. It is God's. Boy, that's powerful. There ain't no need in waiting around. I don't even need your singers to practice. All I know is tomorrow morning, you go down against them. I'm going to tell you, they're going to come from the ascent of Ziz. You're going to find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeriel. He tells them where they're going to be. Verse 17. He said, you will not need to fight in this battle. You just position yourself. Where do you position yourself at? You just get in a position that you can watch me work. Boy, I'm telling y'all today, it's just too heavy on me. You just position yourself. You get, Johnny, you get the best seat in the house. Get on the front row where it's the loudest and the craziest. Position yourself and you stand still and you see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Doesn't this sound like much of the Red Sea when Moses and they're going across some of the same things he told Moses, you don't fear. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow you go out against them for the Lord is with you. Well, we thought Jehoshaphat would have shouted, but he did something even greater. Jehoshaphat bowed his head Head with his fates to the ground. The king got down low. And the Bible said, when the king bowed down, all the inhabitants of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem followed suit with what the king had done. And they too fell on their face, bowed before the Lord. And what did they do? Worshiping the Lord let's stand I'm closing the atmosphere changed ladies and gentlemen and that is why Satan is so scared of your worship that is why Satan is so scared of your praise because when you do it You literally activate the spirit world. And when that happens, the battle is no longer yours. It belongs to God. Jesus, today I praise you. Today I give you glory because you're worthy. Your mercy endures forever. You know what your children are going through. You know what your children are dealing with. Many of them have even thought maybe in their minds at time, maybe I should just quit. Maybe I should give up. Perhaps God hasn't been hearing my prayers. Maybe God doesn't even care anymore. But God, you've sent me to tell somebody today, never give up. Lift their hands and worship you even though they do not see the miracle yet. And though they're wondering where it's going to come from. And they're wondering how it's going to happen. But I'm asking you to tap into their hearts today and let them tap into the spirit world. Because that is where you work. That is where you do things that only you can do. If we remain in our flesh, we cannot handle this army. If we do it with our own strength, we do not have the might. We do not have the power. We cannot win. But Lord, if you will stand in our behalf. If you would come to where we are. We will lift feeble hands. And though we're so tired from our journey. And though we're weary because we're thirsty in this dry weirdness and barren land, if we can just muster up enough strength to say, you know what, God? I still trust you. And I still believe you. And I'm going to hold on a little longer until you come through for me. Blessed be your name. As always, these altars, they are open. As Brian sings, if you want to come, you can. I'm finished today. Blessed be your name. Oh, blessed be.
1: Blessed be the name of the It.
2: Blessed
1: be your name, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the glorious name. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Oh, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name.
2: You give and say, Give and take away Sometimes that's the way it goes but My heart really choose i choose to say, say Blessed
1: be oh, you give and take away The blessed be your name, oh, bless you.
2: you today. I thank you for who you are, and I'm asking you that you would help us accept the fact that when we praise you, God have mercy. When we can muster up the strength to just worship you, something is active. I'm going to leave y'all with this. We're going to close. Y'all can keep uh, playing. I'm going to let them keep praying. One of the most familiar passages of Scripture <clears throat> that my mind always goes to is, is in Daniel. I, I can't help but remember that verse. It always, it just gets me every time. Because three times a day, Daniel prayed and worshiped, right? Three times a day. Not once, three times a day. He opened up his windows towards the temple and he worshiped. And he prayed. That was him in God time. Everybody know that. When I read that story, and you think, man, three times a day, that's committed. I mean, if we pray once a day, we're doing good, right? I mean, a real get down and pray. I'm not talking about just a Lord, I love you. It's good to see you. I hope you're doing good. I'm doing pretty good. You. I'm talking about a get down on your knees, open your windows and say, Hey God, it's good to see you today. Three times a day he did that. You'd have thought a man that was that devout living among a godless nation like Babylon that worships false gods, false idols, you would think that God would just automatically just open up the windows of heaven and bam! Just a blessing pour out. The miracle is here, man of God. I heard your prayer. But David Munro, there's something very, very interesting in the story and it just messes with me every time. finally, 21 days later, 21 days, I need a miracle. Anybody want to say it now? I need a miracle today. I don't want to wait three weeks. 21 days. But this is the most, this is the part of the story that gets me more than all of it, I think. Every day, Daniel went right back to that same spot, opened those same windows, prayed one more time. Three times a day, three times a day, three times a day. The answer didn't come. He I, I, I'm going to go again. Can you imagine? Ten days in, I'm waiting for him. I'm still praying three times a day. Twenty days, I'm still praying. To... I think the part that gets me better now is Daniel never quit worshiping regardless. But on that 21st day, an angel comes to Daniel. And this is what he says. This is great. He says, Daniel, I heard you when? The first day. The first time you brought this request to me 21 days ago, I heard it, Daniel. What you did on day one is you activated the spirit world I want y'all to grab this you have activated something and what you didn't know is the answer has been on the way since the first day see I want you to understand there are some forces that you are going to fight there are some forces that your family is going to fight and you are not going to get your miracle the first time you pray. But it doesn't mean you haven't activated something. Because when that angel got there, the one thing he told Daniel, he said, God heard you the first time. But as for me, I have been fighting against principalities and powers to get to where you are. See, there's some of you, you got some things going on and it's tough. But you don't understand. God's already in working on your behalf there's just some battles going on between some demons and evil forces it's a stronghold and what God wants to know during the 21 days are you going to get down on your knees every day and lift your hands just like you did yesterday (laughs) are you going to get discouraged and you're going to say God you haven't answered my prayer you don't hear I'm quitting I'm done with this because if you do that the answer isn't going to make it to you. But if you can hold on a little longer, I'm telling you today, the angel's on the way. The miracle's on the way. Man, if you love God today, would you just shout hallelujah? I've asked y'all to keep playing. I want y'all to keep praying as long as you want to today. As for everyone else, God bless you. To you ladies, if you want to be a part of that $20 meal, I need you to please sign that sheet at the back so we can get a count. God bless you all.